0: It's a simple recipe, but it would mean so much to me. Turn on the gas and make me feel fine. All I wanna say is
1: just give me some hot
2: pizza. I'll
0: steve sadal here with another episode of financial pizza it's the only podcast that features clips and more from some of the best financial advisors heard on radio and in podcasts across the country each and every week i bring it all to you hot fresh and in 30 minutes or less plenty of variety this week coach Pete Deruda says you are not up until you're out he'll explain Brian Quaranta weighs in on the SVB failure and offers some tips to help you navigate through it Joe Murphy offers his opinion of the current banking situation including SVB and signature Mike Wall is coach Pete's special guest on financial safari with some great savings tips Eric Carney turns the tables and asks me questions about retirement spoiler alert I nailed it. All of that is just ahead. But first, it was quite a week, wasn't it?
3: That was the week that was. It's over. Let it go.
4: That was the week that was. It started way up.
0: Well, let's start with the latest Fed interest rate hike. Central Bank upped the interest rate another 25 basis points. That has the Fed believing they have avoided a major crisis thanks to the government intervention to stabilize the banking system. I guess we can hope that that's how it works out. Speaking of bank failures, didn't take long for small and medium-sized business owners to start moving their cash around. It does make sense if you have more than 250000 at any one bank. Split it up. While that's going on, many U.S. consumers may find it more difficult to get a loan to buy a car, a home, or any big-ticket item. That, they say, will slow the economy and increase the risk of a recession. Stay tuned. Applications for U.S. unemployment benefits unexpectedly eased for a second week, underscoring a still tight job market in which employers are reluctant to reduce headcount. There are nearly two open positions for every unemployed American as sectors including food service and leisure and hospitality struggled to attract and retain workers. Now, this all coming on the heels of Amazon announcing their plans to lay off 9,000 more corporate jobs. The company said earlier this year that it was slashing 18,000 positions. CEO Andy Jassy says in a statement that the 9,000 additional job cuts weren't announced earlier because some teams hadn't completed assessments that determined which positions needed to be eliminated. Meanwhile, Ford says they expect to lose about $3 billion on its electric vehicle business this year. Kind of clear just how far car manufacturers have to go to make this whole EV thing work. Now that spring is here and the grass is turning green, we are learning that more people are simply using green paint to keep their lawns green. Why? Some people are blaming inflation, trying to save water, and it keeps the grass green all year round. I'm thinking there's a million-dollar idea. Create a service, kind of like a lawn service, but instead of chemicals, they just spray it green. And finally, to those of you who love to twist off the top of your Oreo cookie and hope that the goodness on the inside is spread evenly across both cookies, leave it to the brainiacs at MIT to figure out just how to accomplish that. They put more than 1,000 Oreos to the test and determined that the fickle filling stuck to just one wafer about 80% of the time. They say the cream is stronger than it is sticky, so it's more likely to stay together rather than stick to the actual cookie. Now, I'm not an MIT scientist, but I kind of already knew that, didn't you? Anywho, let's start cooking this pizza. For that, we turn to America's wealth coach and best-selling author, Coach Pete DeRuda. Now, in this clip, Coach is talking with Thomas Lipscomb and Morgan Patrick about being ready for whatever the economy well, throws at you. it's tough.
5: It's really tough these days to, just when you think you have a grip on the financial world, something happens to show you you don't. Mm, isn't that the truth? <laughs> right? Morgan, how many times in your life have you thought you understood something completely, only to have you being awoken and seeing that you weren't oh i mean how many times financially have we, woke have we have we have we gotten to that pro status in our own mind and all of a sudden we realize we're amateurs i know well it, i mean it happens i mean just when you think you're an expert is when you're probably not i mean mm-hmm. we have two issues to get people in more trouble in the money world than ever before fear and greed mm-hmm. so fear well two fears there's, there's a fomo fear of missing out sure and then the real fear of not holding something all the way down and so when we when we're watching the stock market go up like crazy greed kicks in let's say we bought a stock let's say we bought a stock for a dollar share and it went up to five dollars a share so we got a, we we bought a thousand shares at a dollar now it's worth five dollars a share the proper strategy there says to at least liquidate as much of the stock that you need to get back the money you invested. Okay, So sure. about 20% of the stock you could liquidate. Now you have 80% of the stock still in your account, yet even if it went to zero, you haven't lost any money because you've got your cost out.
3: I like that. I like that. That <laughs> makes <laughs> right? sense, yeah.
5: But here's what here's what the average investor will do. It goes from one to five. And what does the average investor do? What do you think they do, Morgan? Sell it off. No, they buy more. <laughs> because they don't want to miss the up even though they're already up look at the golden Pony <laughs> and then sometimes they're buying right at the plateau and then it comes mm-hmm. right back down again oh, like gotcha. you reach the top of Mount Everest and then it comes down yeah, yeah. no mountain goes to the moon <laughs> mountains come and they go down like they go up and they come down so do. and actually more people die who climb Mount Everest more people die on the way down than the way up because they're not quite paying as much attention after they've they battled the mountain and, and became victorious victorious over the market sure. the mountain but On the way down, we have to be careful. Therefore, when we have a gain in the stock, the proper strategy would be maybe to liquidate some of that gain. Because I always say you are not up until you're out. Mm -hmm. So as long as you're piling more and more money into the stock, even even if it's going up, you don't have any profit because you haven't liquidated any of it. You're putting more and more money in. Thomas, we see this a lot, unfortunately, in the money world.
3: We do. And something that strikes me about what you're talking about right now is truly just having that strategy, that plan in place. Because it sounds to me like there may maybe a lot of folks out there who, who get into a market, who get into a mutual fund, whatever it may be, don't actually have an exit plan in place to know if this hits this, then I want to do this. If it does this, then I want to do that.
5: Yeah, yeah. It's, well, whatever you said, it sounds good to me. Yeah. yeah. It sounds <laughs> really good. <laughs> but it's just to make, make sure you understand why you're in the stock to begin with. And I always say never get into a stock or real estate or anything that has risk attached to it until you know in your mind when you're going to get out. Hmm. So don't get in until you have an exit strategy, how you're going to get out. And it's not, you know, we, we fall in love with stocks. Sure Everybody do. does. I have too in the past. But what you have to know is the stock doesn't love you back a lot of times. And so <laughs> liquidating a little bit of it, if it's up big, to help prevent you from ever having a loss because you've, you've already got, got, your, you've got your money back to you invested and the stock you still have some stock, that's a great investment strategy, I think, for a lot of people.
0: It's always good to remember you're not up until you're out. Good stuff from Coach Pete. As always, you can catch Financial Safari on a number of radio stations around the country, including the flagship 106.1 FM Talk in Raleigh, North Carolina. You can find it in podcast form wherever you get yours, Apple, iHeart, Amazon. And to learn more about Coach Pete, visit PeteOnDemand.com. That's PeteOnDemand.com. Pizza! Now we head to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where we check in with Brian Quaranta at Secure Money Advisors. Brian is talking about the SVB failure and how it impacts all of us in one way or another. what really happened, Brian? What's going on there with this bank and why this one?
6: Well, the the news of Silicon Valley banking failure, you know, obviously sent many depositors into a tailspin. As, you know, folks, you know, when, when you hear of a bank failure, I mean, people begin to panic. They start withdrawing money in efforts to protect their portfolios. And this created a run in conjunction with a lack of a diversification on the bank. And it had to sell a lot of its assets at further losses, creating even more issues internally. So you gotta look at the way banks operate too. So, you know, a bank, we, we, we operate off of this fractional reserve system. Um, a lot of people don't realize this. And what I'm about to share with you may absolutely change the way you look at our uh, you know, the, the, the economy. And and it should, because money is essentially being created out of thin air. But the fractional reserve system, there's a great book out there called um, The uh, the Creature from uh, Jekyll Island. I think I got that right. But everybody should read this. And this was how our monetary system got started. There was a secret meeting among some of the top leaders on Jekyll Island outside of New York, and they had come up with what we call the fractional reserve system. So if I bring the bank... A deposit of any amount. We'll just say a hundred thousand dollars, for example. Um, they can then lend that hundred thousand dollars out nine times. So that means essentially they've created nine hundred thousand dollars out of thin air that doesn't even exist. Now, what does the bank do with money when they receive that money? Some of it goes into a portfolio of. Long-term, you know, government treasuries, and and some of it goes to a loan portfolio, right? So, like when you go to the bank and you buy a bank CD, um, and the bank's giving you a three percent return or a four percent return on that money, the question is, where is your money at that point in time? Is it in a little safe with your name on it, waiting your arrival to come back and? You know, and a money. year or two. Yeah. No, no, that money is lent back out. That money's lent back out in the form of mortgages, business loans, auto loans, all kinds of different loans that the bank makes. Now, the reason the bank is giving you a four percent rate of return on your CD is because they're lending that money out at maybe five, six, or seven percent. And the difference, you know, if the bank's lending at six and they're only giving you four, uh, that's a two percent spread. And that's how they make their money. Mm -hmm. Well, in Silicon Valley, we had a lot of banks that were lending to the tech industry. They had a highly concentrated uh, tech position, obviously being in Silicon Valley. And because of what's happening with interest rates right now, that's not conducive to the tech market. Because technology companies rely on cheap capital to grow their money because they have an idea or a software Whatever it might be that they know is going to be a good idea, but they have no customers yet, so they have to grow towards getting customers. And when they do that, they eventually start making money. But in the mean term, they're just making money off of the arbitrage between cheap money and, and maybe what they're making. So, but what this leads us to is, you know, is is poor uh, in in, in a loan portfolio for the bank. On top of that, we had interest rates going up, and their long term treasury bonds. When interest rates go up, bond prices go down. So they were taking a hit on Treasury bonds when people were coming in and taking money, and this caused a panic. Um, and, and look, you know, banks fail every single year. Um, this one happened to get a lot of news around it. Um, but you know, banks have been failing since the days of George Bailey. <laughs> it's funny
0: you should mention <laughs> anybody
6: that? remember A Wonderful <laughs> Life? Right.
0: Right. Well, I mean, again, what you described. Let's see. We'll, we'll take here's a clip from the movie. I was just talking to old man Potter, and he's guaranteed cash payments to the bank. The bank's going to reopen next week.
4: But George, I got my money here. Did he guarantee this place? I'll take mine now. No, but you're 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 thinking of this place all wrong. As if
0: I had the money back in a safe. The, the money's not here. <laughs> See, that's exactly what happened. The money's not happened, here,
6: right? That's exactly what. <laughs> that's happened. Exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly what happened.
0: I love the wonderful life clip, but it really is what happened at SVB. Now, you can hear Brian's show Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock on ninety four five three ws in Pittsburgh. You can find the podcast wherever you get yours. Visit the website, securemoneyadvisors.com. Securemoneyadvisors.com. Pizza! All right, let's stick with the theme. Now we hear from Joe Murphy with his take on the bank failures. He gets into the why and how to protect yourself down the line.
2: Yeah, you know what, the the SVB... Um, failure. Obviously, I think a lot of our radio listeners out there know know in the nutshell. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the why, you know, why something like this happened. And, oh, good. and it's a lot of, yeah, it's a lot of regulatory issues, Steve. Um, but this bank was a very particular bank and and they catered to a very specific type of clientele. Um, you know, venture capitalists, startups, you know, big money was was dumping into this bank during the the COVID stimmies and the big run-up in Nasdaq, and they had a lot of deposits. Um, un- unfortunately, the-, the why is, is how the bank was actually investing these mon- this money. During COVID and during that NASDAQ rip, it was all great because deposits were flying in. Unfortunately, the bank uh, the bank compliance did not invest wisely. Um, they invested a lot of their depository money into long-duration treasuries. And Steve, how many times on this show did we talk about that March of 2020 ticker at that zero percent federal funds uh, federal funds rate is probably the worst time in history to buy bonds because what are bonds? They're interest rate sensitive. and at a zero percent federal funds rate, Bonds only have one way to go, and this bank invested a lot of money into long duration bonds in mortgage backed securities, which were at that point trading around 2.5, 2.7, where a mortgage is out right now, about six or seven. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, when the, when the startups and the venture capitalists started drying up, as, as the Fed started raising interest rates, this bank was locked in to the long duration bonds. And they were forced to sell these at very steep losses um, because depository obligations came through. Um, This was something that was publicly available in the books on, you know, back in December, you could see the discrepancy. And, you know, the bank regulators, to me, you know, this is almost a society now where you can act with no consequences and you're going to get bailed out. And that's kind of what happened, they acted with impunity and made really poor investment choices. And now we're in a society where, you know, you are basically the risk versus reward is just not there. Because, you know, when we're looking at profits and losses, what have we done? We privatized the the gains and the profits, and now we've socialized the losses with these bailouts. So the risk management from this bank is, is key number one. The investments that they made were very poor in, a, in, a, in an environment that you just don't make that mistake. I wish they would have come to me, Steve, and said so they wanted to invest in long-term treasuries or bonds um, at a 0% rate, You know, very low yields. And then be forced to pull that money out at steep losses. So for radio listeners, that's what happened over there. and It was mismanagement. And now you had the Fed obviously with the threat to financial services had to come in and bail it out. And we've already started to see a domino effect with a lot of these banks, just to put our radio listeners minds at ease. Your, Your bank is safe. Um, you don't have to worry about, you know, money moving out or, or then the, the federal government and FDIC is going to step up. The last thing that we can afford is, is, a, is a national run on all our banks or a complete migration to these large uh, banks, you know, JP Morgan, Citibank, Wells Fargo. It's going to be interesting to see, Steve, over the next couple months. Um, business owners, where they keep their accounts, if they actually move to the larger banks or if they keep them in the, in the regional community banks that I'm going to be watching like a hawk, but what a wild environment and how many lessons can be learned from this. You know, hopefully our listeners that have investments in there are watching this as well, because this stuff is going to have an impact on your portfolio. We have so many different outliers out there and what is our federal reserve doing right now? Jerome Powell is under extreme political pressure right now. Um, They really got that inflation call wrong um, completely and totally, and they raised rates into the largest debt construct in history. Um, And now things are starting to break. And really, when you look at what the Fed is doing and what they can do, I would not want to be in their position right now, Steve, (laughs) for sure.
0: Yeah, me either. It is interesting, though, to hear it from that point of view. You can hear Joe's show, Wealth Health Radio. It's on AM 560 WIND in Chicago. It airs Sundays at noon. Find his podcast on the website, mwmfinancial.tax, or wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, just wherever you get it. And you can reach him directly by texting pizza to 600 Pizza! Well, now let's meet Mike Wall as he takes over Financial Safari this week. He poses the question, has the market been changed forever? And that's just the beginning. Um, If you don't know me, you should
3: check us out. We've been in the game for 20 plus years. I got multiple companies. In fact, uh, the companies that are powering this show, the InvestWell show, have helped wealthy families in many, many, many capacities. But it's so interesting when you take a look at what's going on today in relation to markets. I think oftentimes we can find ourselves having knee-jerk reactions. In fact, that's exactly what's happening in a lot of ways with the the banking system. In some some aspects, uh, we've heard about the bank failure systemically and how that kind of flows through and what that looks like. Knowing that a lot of the the companies and organizations and funds that were involved with that failure uh, were places that had were hedge funds and uh, tech companies and all these kinds of things. But in the show today, I'm going to cover in several different segments, I'm going to talk about a few things. One is uh, the market being changed forever, right? Number one. And, and what does that actually mean, or is that a reality? The second thing that I'm going to talk about is uh, what should you do now, right? What can you be doing now a- instead of just taking knee jerk reactions? And th- then we want to talk about really having complete planning towards the end of the show. These are all important things because. As a consumer, it can be challenging to really know what decisions we should be making. I think uh, I call it financial amnesia, right? We've all we've all remember the the story, or at least I do growing up in Pennsylvania where, you know, I'm growing up in Pennsylvania, and it's a beautiful area <clears throat> and we got, you know, mountains and streams and all kinds of different things. And we have deer that would get stopped in the headlights, right? And we call it deer in the headlights. When somebody's standing there, and like they have, no, they have no idea how to respond or what to do. And I consider that, I translate that. I actually wrote a book, uh, very blessed. It was a bestseller uh, talking about Retire Once, Retire Well. It's the name of the title, Retire Once, Retire Well. And one of the chapters in the book was Avoiding Financial Amnesia. And I believe one of the things that happens is people are in a place where they become so inundated with ideas and thoughts So inundated with market movement, so inundated with um, just the media, generalization, print, all kinds of stuff of ideas from a lot of talking heads about what's going on out there. And yet they still don't really know what to do. In fact, it's almost like going to a restaurant. You know, I think one of the benefits of going to some restaurants that have like two things on the menu is it doesn't take a long time to pick what you want. Now, if you go to Cheesecake Factory, God, I mean, I've gone to Cheesecake Factory, and it's like, how in the world are they in a place where they can have all of this food and and, and, and make a profit? I don't know how they do it. We go to Cheesecake, and there's 300 million entrees, and then there's 45 different salads, and all kinds of other drinks. I mean, it's so many things to choose from, and so the waitress comes up, and uh, are you ready for your order? You've probably had this happen where you go out to eat with somebody, and uh, you're sitting at the table, and they're saying, hey... You know, it's, are you ready for your, no, I need a few more moments. And then they come back and are you ready for your order? Uh, No, I need a few more moments. Now, if you're like me, if I go to a restaurant like that, I kind of typically default to like one or two things, right? If I, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, the old story, right? So I default to one or two things. I'm literally in a place where I will order those same one or two things every time I go back because I'm like, ah, I haven't tried this, I haven't tried that, I don't, I don't know what to do. Well, that's exactly what happens, quite honestly, <clears throat> in the financial world. With all of the noise out there, uh, it can really make it challenging for folks with wealth to know what decisions to make. And i got to be honest with you, a lot of advisors uh, or financial folks, let me call it that way, have been in a place and are in a place where they primarily – Uh, You know, they're taking ideas and sediment from whoever it is in their their company, right? Wherever they're
0: getting their research from. Financial amnesia. I get it. And you can learn more about Mike and what he does by visiting financialsafari.com. Financialsafari.com. Pizza. One more clip and this pizza will be complete. We head to Cape Coral, Florida, where we check in with Eric Carney and Joseph Lanza. In this clip, the tables are turned and Eric is asking me questions. Hilarity ensues.
4: So, Steve, you've been on the show for many years now. Yes, we I appreciate you coming on here. So, Steve, do you think it's too late to start planning for retirement? It's
0: never too late. And I stand firm. Really? Yeah.
4: Hmm. I'm, oh, you disagree? I disagree. I mean, I think some, <laughs> I mean, I, I hate to say it, but like a lot of people, you know, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I don't know. I guess any time that you save money is good, but I mean, there's not
1: that it's never too late. I think the best way, I think the way to put it is that the longer you wait, the harder it gets. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It sounds obvious, but it's true, right? I mean, the longer your time frame is, you're able to do that, the harder it's going to be for you and the more sacrifices you're going to have to
4: make in those later years of working to to meet those goals. I, I guess that's, that's a good point, Joey, because honestly, I get frustrated for the person, right? Who has procrastinated for so long? Like I I I'm very empathetic towards that person. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's not the people that are successful, it's the people who are struggling, right? You know, mm-hmm. and, and and that's the part that kills me about this industry, you know. Uh, so okay. Well, thank you, Steve, for your uh input there. I sure. like that one. Uh, let's move on to the next one, Steve, <laughs> let's shall do we? It. Let's, let's do, do it. it. All right. So, Steve, the four percent rule. Is this all I need to follow in retirement to make my money last? Steve, what do you think about the 4% rule?
0: Well, I think it's not always true. It's been around since the early 90s, and at the time, it kind of made sense. And it's a a rule of thumb that you can certainly start with, but I don't think it's the be-all, end-all anymore.
4: That's great, Steve. I mean, you would know this. I mean, you know, you would know this more than anybody because you and I have talked about this much in
1: the past,
0: many, many times. <laughs> yeah, I
4: agree. It's completely outdated.
1: You, Joseph. Yeah, I mean, everybody's situation is different, and it's not gonna. It's definitely not gonna work for everybody,
4: especially with taxes too. Just throwing that on there, but who? Well, what was his name? William Benjamin. Yeah, that's him. Yep. Yeah, so even he says don't follow that anymore. It's poor advice. Stop following my advice that I gave, I think over 20 years ago. Yeah, I think you're right. 30 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Steve, you've been great so far, but how about this one? Long-term historical average returns will guide me to grow my retirement savings. Would you say that's true or false? I would say that's false. That's a good answer, Steve. And that's what I would agree on as well. Good. Look at me. And, And why is that, Joseph? Tell us that.
1: Well, I mean, when you, whenever you have a long-term historical average in the market, it's normally going to be consistent and a pretty good return, right? Because you're looking at over a longer period of time. But then, if you look at a, uh, you know, you can look at a period of time of 2000 to 2010, what we normally call something like the lost decade, right? Nobody really wants to, plan, nobody That's really wants true. to put that one in their retirement plan, right? But so you got to be careful that you're not cherry picking returns when you're accounting for what growth you can expect in retirement,
4: right? So you so know, I- the one thing about this host thing. You know, I like doing it. It's exhausting. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can see where I'm going to be emotionally drained at the end of this show. Um, But there's no green room in the beginning. I wasn't given coffee or anything. You know, sparkling water. Right. I wanted to warm up my voice a little. (laughs) and uh so i might feel a little rough being the host today but uh let's move on here folks will we yes
0: move on let's see what i can do we got
4: this is the thing i have to keep doing i have to keep the show moving Mm -hmm. right that's your job a lot of work i gotta keep you guys on pace okay how about this one and i'm gonna throw this one to you steve once i'm in retirement i'll be in a lower tax bracket steve what do you say
0: i say not always the case could be but not always. tell me more Well, I mean, again, I think, you know, the money that you get in retirement and the more money that you make in retirement, that's going to be taxed. So it's ideal to create a tax-free bucket of money to pay you in retirement so you don't have to pay taxes.
4: Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And Joseph, what say you? Yeah,
1: yeah, I would agree with Steve 100%. I think that, you know, a lot of people focus a lot of people that we see even the 401k has been their main saver their whole career, right? That's all taxable money. And a lot of people and Eric, you know, this better, even as the host, Eric, you know, this. that's right, people, the the amount of money people spend while they're working, when they shift into retirement, many people may think that it's going to be a lot lower that they're spending than what it was when during their working years. We find that not to be true. A lot of people spend about the same exact money. So if you're pulling all that money from your 401k, that's taxable income. And then in return, that's also going to bump up how much your social security benefits are taxed. So taxes are still a major issue in retirement.
0: Well, there you go. I got them all right and had fun, too. Hey, you can hear WealthWorks Radio weekends on WCCF in Punta Gorda, Florida. You can find the podcast version wherever you get your podcasts. Why don't you subscribe to it? It'll be in your podcast collection automatically every week. So that's it. Episode 186 is cooked, cut and ready for that digital delivery. Financial Pizza features clips and more from some of the best financial radio programs heard around the country every week. I bring it to you, hot, fresh, and in 30 minutes or less. If you'd like Financial Pizza delivered to you every week, just subscribe to it. It'll be in your podcast collection automatically. Find it on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, well, anywhere you get a podcast. And as long as you're subscribing, be sure and rate and share the podcast. We appreciate that remember you can reach any of the advisors featured here by calling them 800-662-6808 or text pizza to 600-700. I've got links to all the advisors in the show notes with this podcast. Reach me by email steve at financialpizza.com. I want to thank Chrissy Paradis for contributing content for this week's podcast. Financial Pizza is produced and written by me, Steve Siddall. It originates from the palatial, beautiful studios, specifically Studio D, of broadcasting experts in Apex, North Carolina. Thanks for listening, everybody. I really do appreciate it. Going to be back next week with another episode of Financial Pizza. I'm Steve Siddall.
1: Coach P Radio.